Thank you, Ruth. Well, life together, that's been our, uh, our theme and our focus for the past four weeks. What does it mean for us to live life together, for us to be community together? Why do we come together as this group of people called the church? Why not just live out your, your relationship with God one-on-one, just you and God? After all, it's within this community often that, that people disappoint us, that people hurt us, that people frustrate us. Why not just do it on your own? Isn't it be easier that way? Well, God makes it clear it's not easier that way. God has created us to be in community, and we grow best in community. Okay, God created the community called the church not because he needs the community so badly, but because he knew that we needed each other so badly. So we've been looking together over the last four weeks of, at what God calls us to do together. What are the things we need to do together? We've been using the first century church model from Acts chapter 2 to, to tell us what those things are. And they showed us that we're called to worship together. And we're called to eat together. And we're called to learn together. And this morning we're going to see that we've been called to serve together. Right? Acts, 2, 42, or Acts 2, 44 and 45. This New Testament community, it says that all the believers were together, had everything in common. Selling all their possessions, or selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Okay, and these verses this morning give me the perfect opportunity to challenge us to live up to the standard of generosity and giving that God desires, right? After all, look at the model they gave us. These believers had everything in common. They were willing to sell what they owned to make sure that everybody had what they need. They went above and beyond when it came to serving each other and serving those in need. So it would be easy for me this morning to challenge us all to evaluate whether we're, we're meeting God's standard of giving, right? God generously, they gave all, it says. God generously says to us, you can keep 90%. Can you give me 10%? Can you, can you tithe as a way of showing gratitude? We could just hold up that standard. But as I was reflecting on this passage and this calling this past week, I realized that simply resetting that minimum standard that God gives us and challenging us all to, to work to reach it, while that's important, it would miss the heart of the message that God is calling us to here. Right? These first century believers living in community together, they didn't give what they owned to each other. They didn't serve each other in, in profound and sacrificial ways because they were commanded to. They, did it, they didn't do it because they had to. They served because they wanted to. And that's what gave them great joy. There's a huge difference, isn't there? Between doing something because you have to and doing something because you want to. Right? There, there, you've experienced it. There's a huge difference. I hope you've seen it in your life. Uh, you know, you, maybe you've done something generous for somebody. Given them a gift. I don't know what it might be. Taking them out to dinner. You give them the gift, and, and a lot of times their response is, oh, you didn't have to. My grandma said that all the time, right? Oh, you didn't have to do that. 
My, my favorite response when someone tells me, oh, you didn't have to. My favorite response is, I, I know I didn't have to. It wouldn't have been nearly as much fun if I had to. Because it's fun to do it because you want to. When somebody says you have to, it takes away the joy. Right? The joy comes from doing it because you want to. And as we become the community of God, the family that God designed us to be, then we will experience the true joy that comes from serving each other and serving this world around us. Let me tell you this morning about the experience of, of the New Testament church in the city of Galatia. In fact, we're going to look at a passage from the book of Galatians. Paul writes to that, that church. So you want to take out your Bibles in a few minutes and look at Galatians, page 1131. This church in, in the city of Galatia, this first century early church, this community of people living together and sharing faith together, they were challenged with this truth and the calling to serve. And perhaps we can learn from Paul as he confronted them by, with this challenge. You see, this church community in Galatia was having significant problems sharing life together. Their community was being torn apart. They were tearing each other apart over a significant disagreement they were having within their community. Their, their debate, their discussion, their arguments, their fights were about Old Testament rituals and requirements. Okay, their, their discussion was, was, now that we're New Testament Christians, do we need to still do the Old Testament Jewish rituals and requirements? They were specifically arguing about circumcision. Okay, and there were a group of people that said, yes, we're still in the Jewish tradition, and, and now we're Christians, yes, but all those requirements still carry into the church today. You need to be circumcised if you're going to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And a whole other group said, no, you don't. Jesus has freed us from those regulations. This is a whole new thing. And they were at each other's throats in this disagreement. You know, with, with 2,000 years behind us, we can look back and say, what a foolish argument. But in the moment, in the time, it was a significant and painful experience for this church. In, in this letter, so in this letter to the Galatians, Paul spends the first four chapters of this book convincing these young believers that this focus on rules and regulations and requirements was a complete denial of the cross and the grace of God. Right? We are saved by grace, he said. All those requirements are done. There's nothing that we can do to earn favor with God. Jesus has set us free. And after spending those four chapters declaring the freedom that we've, we've been granted by Jesus... Paul then makes it clear to them and to us what we are to do with that freedom. See, the freedom we've been given by Jesus Christ is far from a freedom now just to do anything we want. Right? We're free to do whatever we wish. No, Paul is, is not only passionate about what we've been set free from, but also what we've been set free for. Look at Galatians 5. Listen to the message that Paul gives to this, this community that's busy arguing amongst each other. So busy arguing with each other that, that they're losing sight of their purpose. And so he resets their purpose. Galatians 5, just verses 13 through 15 to start. Listen to what he says to them. He says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. He starts by reminding us that first four chapters, right? We have been set free by Jesus Christ. But we haven't been set free, he says, to indulge in the sinful nature, to do whatever we want to do to get things our way. No, he says we've been set free to serve. He says do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature, but to serve one another in love. We've been set free from sin for service. In other words, we now follow the law not because we have to in order to be saved. We now follow the law and we serve each other because we want to, because we already have been saved. I, I don't want us to miss this this morning. This is important to those of us who have been, been called as individuals and, and as a community, called to be transformed by Jesus Christ. Right? Know that a community with Jesus Christ at its core with Jesus Christ truly at its heart, a community like Ivanrest Church that truly is following Jesus, being led by him and transformed by him, will be characterized by service motivated by love instead of legalism. Individuals will be characterized that way and the whole community will be characterized by that if Jesus is at the core. We will no longer follow arbitrary sets of rules and regulations for the sake of ritual or tradition. Instead, we will follow the law of love that Jesus gave us. Right? Remember when he gave that to us? Back, back in Matthew 22, a Pharisee comes to Jesus and is trying to trick him. Remember that? And he, and he asked Jesus the question, which, which is the most important commandment? Which law do you raise up above all the others? Which was a trap. He's going to say something that's going to offend somebody that way. And Jesus replies and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is wrapped up in these two commandments. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. He takes all of this, this pile of rules and regulations that have been so important for centuries. Right? And these rules and regulations have always been the evidence of how much you love God. The more you do them, the better you are, the closer you are to God. And he turns their motivations upside down. He says your relationship with God isn't dependent on what you do in order to please God. Instead, your relationship with God is, is evidenced by what we want to do because we're grateful for what he's already done for us in Jesus Christ. We serve God, we serve each other, we serve this world around us because we want to out of gratitude, not because we have to out of guilt. That's the kind of community God designed us to be. And if we are gonna be that kind of community, that kind of family, then we will serve together. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need, because they wanted to, not because they had to. You know, I get to see, since I work here, obviously, throughout the week, I get to see this happening at Ivan Rest Church in so many ways. So many times where you, the members of Ivan Rest Church, give because you want to, 
You serve because you want to, not because you have to. And it's a joy to see. It's a joy to experience. Not just the official places where, where we serve at Weston Apartments. We serve at Family Promise. We serve all over the place, right? But the behind-the-scenes ones. So this past week, I got a phone call from someone who was in need. And, and the, the, the specific need was somebody to do yard care for the next month. It was, a, it was kind of a desperate need. And, and so I, made, I sent one email to someone in this church hoping to get a week covered. And a couple hours later, I got the email back from that person who said, you know, I took a look at it. I think I can cover the whole month. Isn't that awesome? That, I, I don't sense that that's someone who's doing it because they have to. Oh, man, Tony asked. I'll, I'll get my week over with and be done. I think there's a want to. And I think because there's a want to, I hope there's great joy that comes from that. And that's just one example of all the times I've seen it at Ivanrest Church. Some of you recognize yourself in that story. You've done it because you want to. You serve because you're grateful. And God gives you great joy in that opportunity. I hope you have experienced that. You know, when we choose to serve together out of gratitude, out of gratitude for the new life, the new birth we talked about last week that Jesus has given us, God will use our service for his kingdom purposes. In fact, God gives us those purposes and those results throughout throughout this book. He tells us what our service will do. He says, first of all, our service will give God glory. It will give God the praise. We strive to, to serve. We strive to live godly, good lives, not so that we will look good in the eyes of the people around us. At least we shouldn't. We do good, we serve so that God will look good, so that God will be glorified. Because our good deeds are simply an expression of praise and gratitude to God, right? You know, I learned learned a phrase early on when I was just a kid from my parents. I was the youngest of five. And so, you know, as the youngest, it's a terrible place to be, get lots of abuse from older brothers and sisters, right? And so... uh, one of the favorite things my brothers and sisters loved to do was, was to imitate everything I would do and say. I'm sure none of your siblings ever did that for you. It drives you crazy when somebody's imitating you. And, just, and so I would run to mom or dad, right, and say, you know, they're imitating me. They won't leave me alone. They're doing everything I say and saying everything I say. And, and my mom would simply say, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. They must be doing it because they really like you and want to be like you. Well, that would stop them in their tracks, of course, because that wasn't their motivation. But I learned the phrase, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? Well, our goal as Christians, as laid out by God, is to imitate Jesus Christ, be imitators of Jesus. Do everything you can to be like him, to look like him, to sound like him, to copy him. So take off that old life of sin, right? And put on that new life, of sacrifice and service, living like Jesus did. And when we do that, who are we really pointing to? Our imitation is really pointing to Jesus, not to us. He's the one we're imitating. He's the one we're trying to be like. He's the one who first showed us how to serve and how to sacrifice. So when we serve and sacrifice, we're simply pointing to him. So when we imitate Jesus, when we serve out of gratitude, God is honored, God is praised, God is glorified in us.
And yet too often, and I count myself here, too often we serve hoping that a little bit of the glory will come our way, right? Just a little bit, God. Let somebody notice. Let somebody be impressed with my giving, with my serving, with my sacrifice. No, I'm not that impressive. Right? I need to remember, I'm just trying to imitate Jesus. I'm just trying to do what he has done for me. And honestly, I don't do a very good job at that. I don't deserve the glory. I don't deserve the praise. I don't deserve whatever honor. Whatever honor, glory, praise comes my way because of how I've served goes straight to God. Because <laughs> I'm just trying to be like Jesus. So all of our service is done, first of all, for God's glory. But there is a benefit that comes our way. It isn't that we earn our salvation by our service to each other. It isn't that we get accolades and praise. Instead, our service, our goodness, gives us assurance of the faith that's within us. Right? James tells us that. He makes it stunningly clear that faith without works is dead, right? Faith and works go hand in hand, side by side. Faith that is alive and well on the inside transforms into life actions, leads us to, to selflessly serve God and serve others. That's an expression of a healthy faith. Right? Jesus in Matthew 7 used the analogy of a healthy tree. Right? He said every good tree bears good fruit. The goodness inside is shown by the fruit, right? And every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Well, we can recognize in each other and in ourselves a living faith by the good deeds and the service that they do. We can recognize the Holy Spirit alive and well in someone by the fruit that they produce. And we can recognize in ourselves and in this community, we can recognize that as well. Faith and goodness go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And so while it's important for us to always remember that our obedience does not, cannot earn us our salvation, it is valuable for us in evaluating the health of our own faith, the health of our community of faith. Because if we have no desire in our hearts or in our community, if we have no desire to show our love for others through acts of kindness, if we have no desire to generously give to those in need as God has instructed us, if we have no desire to be in godly community with each other, with other believers, if we have no desire to serve others using the gifts, gifts God has given us for his kingdom purpose, if we have no desire and we better take a serious evaluation of our faith health. We better look deeply into our hearts because our hearts are probably sick. Our faith is probably weak and crumbling. On the other hand, if we find joy in these acts of service, if we have a godly desire to fulfill the good works that God has has prepared for us in advance, to serve others in his name, then we can have an assurance that our faith 
is healthy. It's probably not as strong as it needs to be, but it's, it's probably healthy and getting stronger as we go. The goodness and service on the outside is a mark of the faith on the inside. So think about that for a moment. What kind of message is your service sending about your faith? You know, the honest answer, I don't know, may be difficult for some of us. Because I would guess some of us will find that our lives are reflecting a vibrant, living faith within us. We're bearing the good fruit shown in service, right? And others of us, if we're honest, would have to admit that our lives are reflecting maybe a lukewarm faith at best. Maybe even a faith that's, that's shriveling up. It's a faith maybe that's more about ourselves than about God. God intended our service to to give us assurance of the faith alive within us. Is that the message that your life is sending you? Okay, so our, our service is for God's glory. It's for our assurance. And finally, God wants to use our service for other people's salvation. We live lives of godly obedience so that others may Others around us might see Jesus in us and be drawn to him. In Matthew 5, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And he says, listen to this, he says, in the same way, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Did you catch that? When we do good deeds, when we serve others, people will take notice and then we have the opportunity to point them to God. When we live out spirit-filled lives obediently and generously serving in Jesus' name, we will stand out from the rest of the world. People will notice. People will take exception to us. Right? When we generously give what we have away, when we're good sports on the, on the field and in the stands, when our mouths consistently produce words flavored with affirmation and love, with politeness and grace, when we fight against the materialism of our culture, when, when our lives exude goodness, when we serve graciously, when we do those radical countercultural kinds of things, people will step back and say, whoa, whoa, what's that all about? They're sure different. And then we'll be able to tell them why we're different. Then we'll be able to tell them about the love and the grace of God that changed our lives. Then we will be able to tell them about the power of Jesus Christ that got a hold of our hearts and can get a hold of theirs as well. And so last Sunday night, our service in the evening was was dedicated to learning about and praying for the refugee crisis happening in Syria. You saw a picture up there of that refugee camp. And, you know, as I follow that in the news, the more I hear about it, the more I keep learning about what's happening, the more and more disappointed I am in the ability of of nations and world leaders to respond. They're just, they're dropping the ball. 
to the greatest humanitarian crisis we've seen since World War II. And the more I read, the more proud I am of Christian organizations that are moving into that vacuum, that are moving in and are serving in Jesus' name, are loving in Jesus' name, are giving in Jesus' name. And, and you and I last week had the chance with our offerings and our gift to step in with them. And the world sees it. And we point to God. They are living out service on a worldwide stage. And you and I are called now to give and serve and love on our local stage. Right here. In our neighborhoods. In our city. In our offices. In our factories. In our schools. Are our lives so radically different that we're standing out from the crowd? That we're standing out from the world? Have we raised our service to such a level that, that it shocks people? They say, whoa, where's that coming from? Many of us haven't reached that level yet because it's easier not to stand out from the crowd, Right? It's easier to simply blend in with the world around us because then we get to enjoy the materialism and the selfishness and the independence that our society expects from us. It's easy just to slide right into that. But it's when we do stand out. It's when we choose generosity and sacrifice and service in Jesus' name that true opportunities arise, kingdom opportunities it's when we live lives of radical goodness and service that we love the chance and to point others towards Jesus. It's when we serve together that God's kingdom grows both in us and around us. We have been set free. And we've been set free to serve. That service begins by serving each other and it continues in by serving together. Right? Paul Paul is trying to completely reshape this Galatian community. Right? If you still have your Bibles open, I just want you to compare two different verses. Right? Remember where they were? Chapter 5, verse 15, the last one we read together. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. This church is on the path of destruction. They're destroying each other. They're not coming together as community. They're blowing themselves apart as community. Listen to where he calls them to be. Start at chapter 6 with me. Just the first two verses of chapter 6. Paul says to this very same community, he says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Now listen to this. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. It's a totally different picture of community, isn't it? Instead of attacking each other, they're caring for each other. Instead of hurting each other, they're helping each other. Instead of arguing and debating, they're serving each other. They're sharing life deeply enough so that they know each other's burdens. First of all, they know them. They aren't secret from each other. They know each other's burdens. And then they carry each other's burdens. That is the community. That is the family that God has designed us and called us to be. 
brothers and sisters who love each other enough that we're willing and eager to serve each other, carry each other's burdens, whatever that might look like. And when we do that, our service will spill outside the walls of this community to the world around us. We'll begin to serve others together. Paul notes that natural progression as he continues on in chapter 6 to verses 9 and 10. Listen to what he says. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those belonging to the family of believers. We are given the privilege and the opportunity to serve all people, everyone. Look for those opportunities this week. I am confident that God will give you the opportunity to serve someone in a big way or maybe a little way. I don't know. Look for it this week. If you can't find any opportunities, if you miss them all, and you're looking for how in the world can I serve, look in your bulletin. Look on the church website. There's opportunities to serve all over the place. And Paul says that service starts here in this family. It starts in this community. I don't know who it is that God's calling you to serve. God's calling you to love in his name. Maybe it's somebody sitting in the room right here with you. Maybe it's, let's go back to the story of the Galatians. Maybe it's somebody you disagree with right now. Somebody you're, you're arguing with, you're not comfortable with. Maybe God's saying, you know what? I want you to serve that person. Because service can change a relationship. It's hard to keep arguing with somebody who's serving you. It's hard to keep arguing with somebody who you're serving. Life together here in the family of God. It's less about legalism and it's more about love. We've been set free to serve to serve each other and to serve together. That's where true joy comes. It comes when, when we serve because we want to, not because we have to. I guess this week we'll find out whether we really want to or not. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for setting us free. For setting us free from the from the law that has held us back for so long. The impossible task of trying to earn our way, of trying to do enough things right to be made right with you. You set us free on the cross and the empty tomb. Because our salvation is nothing about what we do and it's all about what you've done. Father, help us to realize now that we've been set free to serve to serve out of great gratitude for the way that you served us. And now we just want to be more like you, Jesus. And that means we serve each other. That means we serve this world in radical, life-changing ways. Jesus, you have created us to do good works, to serve in your name. As you show us opportunities, help us to say yes. 
Help us to be willing to let our lives be radically different from the world around us so that our lives might always point people towards Jesus. Father, I pray for the Ivan Rest Church community that we would be a community that serves each other and that serves this world. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as the worship team comes forward? We're going to sing our response, right? Ivan Rest Church is all about growing God's kingdom through active discipleship. And we just talked about how that kingdom grows. That kingdom will grow through service as you and I and as us together serve.